Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Welcome to Rex Sykes Movie Beat, conversations with filmmakers where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you'll learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV. We will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera, and I will provide you with guests and information you're going to want to have, whether you are a filmmaker or a fan. And so now let's move behind the scenes here on Movie Beat. And first, of course, I want to thank all my listeners and supporters and readers for tuning in and for spreading the word about Movie Beat to your friends and your industry connections. I want to thank you for your emails and your phone calls, the feedback and the support. Of course, the official Rex Sykes Movie Beat website address is www.rexsikes. Now, Movie Beat is really designed to be a resource for you, and that is why I connect you up with professionals who are making it happen. You can subscribe to the official Movie Beat website on the welcome page by clicking on the RSS feed, and that way you're going to always be updated to changes in cast and crew listings, um, uh, the upcoming interviews, events, premieres, festivals, local and elsewhere. So be sure you subscribe on the welcome page or on the blog pages. You can do that too at www.rexsykes.com. Now, keep in mind, if you're listening to this conversation live right now on Blog Talk Radio, you can make Movie Beat a favorite, and you can become a, a friend of Movie Beat by clicking on those buttons right there near the player on that website. You can leave comments, and you can store these interviews as an MP3 or as a podcast. So you can listen to them anytime or share them at your convenience. Also, you can leave comments on the official RexSykes.com site. Now, if you're there listening to this as an archive show, keep in mind that there are other great interviews to listen to, so be sure to check them all out at the interviews page. You go to the interviews page, you scroll down, go to the archives, and then you look through the titles of the different interviews or the guest name, and you choose the one that you want to listen to. Uh, some pages will have one link, to an audio interview. Some will have two or three, or in this case, Susan Moses is my guest today, and we're doing part five of the producer series. So there we will already see four other links available right now. And with every interview, the archived version goes up right after the live interview is completed. So uh, you can always uh, stay tuned to Movie Beat. Before I bring my guest on today, keep in mind that whether you're listening live or whether you're listening to the archive, you can share uh, Rex Sykes Movie Beat with everyone through Facebook, MySpace, Twitter, by email, or your favorite method. Also, you can visit me on Facebook at Rex Sykes. That's my profile. There's the Rex Sykes Movie Beat uh, group there as well. And, uh, and thank you for being here with me and my guest today and for all of your support. And I'm going to bring Susan Moses on. Susan is a producer. We've spoken uh, numerous times on Movie Beat before. She's got a lot of irons in the fire, a lot of past projects that she's completed, and 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 new ones coming up. And Susan, how are you today? I'm great, Rex. Thank you so much. 
Awesome. Now we've been talking about making movies from you know getting your idea pretty much from the, the, the development phase. Uh, through the production phase and, and, and into post-production, getting it up on the screen. And we've been talking in the last interview or, or so uh, about financing, finding money, different forms of, of money and, and, uh, and uh, uh, elements that are available to a producer to, to check into, to look into a product placements and things like that. Um, and today we're going to continue that. And we're going to talk uh, later on in the show about uh, where and how to find some investors. But first I want to go to this, this notion of, of distribution. Now, Susan, in your experience, are distribution deals made before the film goes into production, during or after? Is there a, is there a common way of doing this uh, uh, or one that's more beneficial than the other? I, in, in my experience, there's not you know, any sort of single way that it gets done. Uh, there are times when uh, certain circumstances, which generally relate to the way the film is financed, financed, will dictate whether or not there is any kind of a distribution element also in place before the film goes into production. Let me break that down to a very you know, sort of basic example. And I'll use, for the purposes of this discussion, I'll use a two-and-a-half or a $3 million film, uh, which is, you know, sort of an average uh, sized for film for an independent film producer. Uh, you know, it's entirely possible that when the filmmaker, the producer, you know, pulls together the funding, the equity side of the picture through an individual equity investor, hard money investor, or a group who've come together to form an entity to invest for the purposes of investing into the picture, that that entity or group may determine it doesn't require that distribution is in place prior to the film being produced. And they may determine that based on a number of factors. Uh, there, may be a, there may be talent attached to the picture which gives the investor or the investor group enough comfort because of the past box office successes associated with that talent that they feel comfortable, just you know, kind of let it roll. Or the director may be someone who's had a number of you know, really great hits and for one reason or another wants to direct this piece, and they feel like you know, the director's been involved in a number of commercially successful films in the past, so they're, you know, they're not concerned about distribution. In, in which case, I think the product, personally, from my experience, the production is generally in the best and most optimal position. Because if I produce a two and a half or three million dollar picture, and I don't, ha I haven't pre-sold it or haven't made any distribution deals in advance, and the picture is finished and I start my screenings and my promotional campaigns and maybe can cobble together, you know, some sort of a little theatrical release or a micro cinema release and the film does well at a couple of, you know, significant or recognized film festivals, this could influence my getting a better distribution deal at the end of the day than the deal I might have been able to that the deal I might have been forced to negotiate when it was all just a, a movie on paper, a script, you know, people's bios, cast names, and so forth. However, there are a number of, I, I would say, probably for the majority of 
investors. They want to have some level of comfort, knowing that there has been some kind of eyes on the project who would ultimately be end buyers or sellers of the product, of the picture, that are giving a professional opinion and then putting some, somehow being at risk behind their professional opinion as to the viability or the likelihood of success in the film. And in that case, there, there could be a pre-sale or there could be a minimum guarantee against the sale of the picture or the distribution company might offer to come in for some of the gap financing or co-financing. Um, you know, there, I think there are any number of ways that those deals with distributors can be structured. And, um, and then you're you know, sort of bringing them into the picture early on. They, the distributor at that point will most certainly have some um, uh, rights to uh, you know, final decisions on cast, perhaps even on location, uh, maybe even on who the director is of the picture, if there's not a director already attached to the picture. So you're bringing on, when you bring on a distributor, you're bringing on a partner that's going to have some sort of a voting right. And it, every time that occurs, it's really putting the producer or the producer's unit in a position where you know, they have less autonomy to sort of move to make the picture in the creative way that maybe the producers and the directors see the picture being made. But at the end of the day, I think we all feel as if ultimately it's in the interest of the picture to do whatever we need to do in order to get the picture done. I see. Excellent. Um, I, I've got a follow-up question for you. I, I just want to mention to the, to the listeners right now, the chat room is open. We do have some guests there. If uh, you want to enter the chat room, if you've got a question, uh, we'll try to get to it today. If not, we'll jot it down and, and attempt to answer it in coming interviews. Uh, but, but that's excellent. Um, so let me ask you the, the, just the difference economically in the, in the short and the long term between advances from distribution and pre-sales. And, and I guess before you get into that, ultimately what you're saying is that any time someone signs on, uh, or contributes money, whether it's from a distribution company or contributes, or, or you sign a deal with a distribution company, uh, or you get money from a private investor, you may be giving up part of your control. I mean, you're, you're, you're making a deal with somebody, and, and they may have want some say in it. And it's and and what I've heard you say is that it is likely from a distribution company that that they may. Um, in in exchange for agreeing to distribute the film, they're going to want to make some cast changes or directorial changes or or whatever. So uh, you made some excellent points there. Um, you can address what I just said, although I, I think you already have, and and continue with the difference between the short and long term uh, between advances um, from distribution and pre-sales. I I, I, want, I want to go back and just address that I think a little bit um, from a different perspective and say that. Please. Having a producing, having a, a distrib, distributor involved in the project up front isn't necessarily always a bad thing. I, I think there are cases where that distributor can be extremely instrumental in helping to guide the project in a way that uh, ultimately could give the pro put the project in a position to have greater value when the project is going to be sold than it would have if the producer and or director would have sort of had their own headspace over it. And generally, that will be uh, 
pretty much relevant to the casting of the picture. Oh, and the, you know what? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Continue. It, it'll be generally it's relevant vis-a-vis -vis the casting of the picture. So in other words, if I have a two to three million dollar budget, and you know there's somebody, the director comes to me and says, "Oh, you know, I I just you know love." some particular actor or actress and I really want them. I just think they look like the person and, you know, they, they, they just really do a good job and I really want that person to be the lead in the movie. It's entirely possible that the director's vision could creatively be right on the money, but from a financial perspective in terms of giving the picture, the end product, the greatest value may translate to you know, very little value out there in the marketplace. So by working with a distributor, the producer and the producer's unit, I think can be at an advantage because the distributor knows, they have their finger on the pulse out there. They know what's going to sell. They have a pretty good idea of what the upcoming markets are likely to have an appetite for in terms of genre. And I think they also have a pretty good handle on which combinations of actors or if it's a tiny picture, which lead and supporting lead actor could drive that picture to be able to generate enough sales for the investors to make their money back and for the picture to go into profits. So I, I didn't mean initially to make the statement appear as if, oh my gosh, if you have a distributor involved with you, you've just lost all creative control. Um, it's it, you know it's a kind of an artful and a careful balance, which means that when you're when a producer is contemplating getting involved with a distributor, I think it is absolutely essential to do the research to find out which distribution companies have historically done well with the genre and with the particular actors that you're proposing to cast in your picture and with the budget level that your picture is proposed to be budgeted at. So in other words, it wouldn't make any sense to try to go to a producer who has great success with pictures that are done for micro budgets of let's say under $500,000 with a picture that's budgeted at $3 million because that distribution company or that sales agent won't have the experience, won't have the best experience with the buyers who are used to buying a slightly more expensive product. I think, you, I think the producer has to do his homework. Um, and I usually say, you know, go to Blockbuster, Netflix, you know, any place where you can look at all of, the, all of the other movies, or go to Box Office Mojo if you want to do it online. Look at all of the other movies that have been done in the genre of the picture that they're proposing to do, and then break that down in terms of similar budgets, and look to see which companies have done a really good job at selling those pictures, and that's where I would start. I would go to those distributors with my package and propose, if I needed a distributor in place, to start there looking for that kind of a partnership. Well, I was going to interrupt you a little while back and say an excellent point you made, uh, um, but now I get to say very many excellent points that you've made uh, during the duration of that. Uh, it does make sense that anyone who is in the process of making a movie uh, do their homework and research and find out who is the best fit that they can 
uh, work a deal with in terms of getting their movies sold. And I, I love the fact that you point out, you know, again, this is a business, and uh, while it may be important to have creative control, uh, um, it's also good to use good common business sense or get business advice from people who may know better or may know a particular market better than uh, than you or I, and to be able to get that input uh, and or to be able to work with them. So uh, I, I think you've made some very, very valid – I mean, I know you've made very valid points, but I, I think that this is really something that the listeners – you know, can can pay attention to and benefit from. Um, having distribution is a good thing in the beginning sometimes, and it, and, it, and obviously it may not be, and there's a pros and cons. I mean, so we will move on generally. <laughs> uh, but uh, so uh, let me ask you this. I, I think uh, you, you were mentioning at one point, you know, minimum guarantees, and, and, and uh, if we haven't gotten quite that far yet, uh, what is the notion of a minimum guarantee, or, or how do you define that? Well, I think in that case, what the distributor is saying to the producer is, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to guarantee you, subject to all kinds of contingencies, of, on delivery of the picture, that I will pay you X dollars. And, um, you know, it's important at that point for the producer to read the fine print because the distributor is going to do a very good job of defining exactly the very narrow parameters within which that picture must be delivered in order for it to qualify for that minimum guarantee payment. And, um, you know, so there, there will be a list of deliverables, there will be a length of time of the picture, it will have a certain cast that will be required to be in the picture. It'll have a certain date of delivery. Um, it must be shot on a particular pre-agreed format. You know, all of those elements get predetermined and written into the contract. And then the producer knows that on delivery of the picture, provided that they've met all of the criterion that have been set forth in that contract, the distributor has an obligation to pay him or her whatever that predetermined amount of money is. And it, you know, if um, if the producer has been able to get 75, let's say the producer has been able to get 60% um, of the money from a hard money source, an equity investor, and they're able to produce the movie in a place where they're going to get somewhere in the range, let's let's just say 20% of what they've spent back from the state in which they produced the movie. So now they have 80%. So they have a 20% gap. They have 20% of the budget of the movie that uh, you know they can't, um, they can't cover. In that case, if it were me, I would go to the distributor and ask for somewhere in the range of a 25 to 30% minimum guarantee so that on the delivery of my picture, I'm going to get that amount of money. And then with that minimum guarantee, I would try to bank that, which would happen on a, at a discount, because it, you, if you get it from a bankable, recognized company, you should be able to find someone or a bank to actually advance you a portion of the money, which is why you might only need 20%, but you're going to ask the minimum guarantee to be more than 20% so that when you lose a certain percentage of that contract because you're discounting it to get it funded in advance, uh, you still have enough money there to 
produce a picture. Or you can look at what your cash flow requirement is, and you might not need to bank the entire thing because if the cash, as the cash flow is coming in and you're doing your post-production, it's possible that you might be able to negotiate some of your post-production contracts or some of your other contracts with a final payout um, you know, enough in advance that maybe you don't need all of that gap money or all of that 25% guarantee to be to be paid in advance in order to complete the picture. You just sort of finagle with the money a little bit. But I think that that is a way to, you know, get a get a distribution company involved with you on a, on the basis of a minimum guarantee. Now, if they get that guarantee from the di- distributor, they can use that to go raise money then? It's possible, absolutely. And it depends upon the distributor or the sales agency. And uh, some of them are bankable. In other words, they're recognized by banks as being able to honor that contract. So the banks understand and know that these companies have a history of paying upon delivery of the picture, that they have sufficient assets in order to honor that contract, and in which case, you know, the banks will... Well, these days it's a little more tough to get them, but um, there are other, you know, entities. Or oftentimes there are other groups of uh, businessmen who will see that they can just put a pool together and loan you against that minimum guarantee contract and pick up, you know, a, a nice um, bonus on the payback and maybe even a little piece of equity in the picture. Um, and they're at a very low risk. You know, they're probably at the lowest end of the risk in the investment. Their their risk that they're taking is that the picture delivers and the distributor rejects it. And I think it's important for people to understand that that's entirely possible. You know, some people think, well, I'll have a distribution in place, and so I know automatically when I distri- when I finish my picture and deliver it to the distributor, the distributor is going to be obligated to give me X dollars or to do whatever they're, they've promised to do under the, um, under the terms of the agreement. Well, it, it, it's very likely that the distributor has the right to reject the picture. So people need to understand that if you deliver a picture that doesn't meet the expectations of or the standards or the criterion that's been set forth in the contract, the distributor can reject that picture, in which case they have no further obligation. They have no obligation to pay the producer anything. So in that case, if you know there was a minimum guarantee and that minimum guarantee were discounted someplace by either a bank or a gr- another group of you know, funders and the, distri- the producer delivered a picture and the picture did not meet the standards that the distributor was looking for, you know, they're definitely would be a problem. I think, uh, you know, then that, that money would have been, will be at risk and um, until the picture ultimately does find someone to buy it or they fix the problem and re-deliver the picture, uh, you know, everybody's sort of sitting on the fence because there's no way to recoup. So there are a few avenues, though, for, for people in terms of, of uh, you know, getting uh, their finances together uh, and going through a distribution or getting a minimum guarantee. Um, 
how how important is the cast then in in raising money as well? I mean, uh, a lot of movies are made with you know A list stars or or people you don't know so well, or they're recognizable but you don't know their name. Or then there's the slew of movies coming out from all over the world where you don't recognize anyone. Um, so how important is cast in in getting money? I I think generally that the cast is um, you know just critically important to raising money. There are exceptions to that rule, you know, just as there are exceptions to everything. But I think generally speaking, the cast is very important. And this is why, you know, people find themselves in this, you know, chicken and egg position. People often say to me, I can't get my funding until I get the cast, and I can't get the cast until I can prove that I have the money. What do I do? How do I do that? And it's <laughs> it's a it's a problem that exists every day. I, I have a very very great friend and close business associate colleague in the industry who has been casting movies for years and years and years. We speak at least four times a week. And, you know, he and I really get a kick out of the fact that he gets phone calls in his office all day long from people saying, I've got this terrific project. I'm pretty sure I can bring these investors in. All I need to do is get a letter of intent from the star. And if I can prove to the investors that so-and-so is interested in my picture, I can close the money. And, you know, we, we laugh and say, sure you can, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, somebody called my friends, I think, a week ago or so and said, look, I know that I can raise the money for my movie if you can get me a commitment letter from Keanu Reeves. <laughs> I mean, sure. Keanu Reeves attach, attaches himself to your project. I think it's pretty easy to presume that you'll be able to go out and put a put a deal together to fund that you know, to fund that movie. But actors are represented by agents and managers and business managers and lawyers. And the bigger the name, the more sophisticated and tightly knit that group of people are surrounding those actors to make sure that people, producers, aren't out there exploiting their names for the purposes of raising money for their picture because, um, it, you know, it diminishes their value. And why should they? Why should Keanu Reeves allow producer X to use his name for free with no obligation to, to that actor whatsoever so the producer can go out and raise the money to make the movie? When at the end of the day, as soon as the money is raised, that producer and and the producer's investors could determine that, hey, now that they've got the money, maybe there's another name. Maybe they'd really rather go to another name, somebody who a distributor told them would be even worth more to them. Yeah, but and then, also, go ahead, I'm sorry. And then, you know, what 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 how is Keanu Reeves benefiting by lending his name to the picture? He hasn't. So actors are way too savvy to let that happen. So I think that the way that you know producers can uh, break through that chicken and egg scenario 
is by going to their potential and prospective investing sources with a short list of actors they're proposing for the picture. And we'll, take, we'll put Keanu Reeves back on that list just because we've been talking about him. And um, Keanu Reeves and let's say three or four other people. And you know, then the, the producer says to the investors, if I can deliver Keanu Reeves, will you fund the movie? And the um, investor says, sure, I will. I'll fund the movie. Well, at that point, the producer needs to get that in writing. The producer needs to get in writing from the investor or the prospective investor that he or she or they are absolutely 100% willing to fund the movie if the producer They'll give them a letter of intent. I like to get a letter of intent and proof of funds. I like to have proof positive that the investor actually has the money. Mm -hmm. So you get a letter of intent and proof of funds. And the letter of intent is subject to delivering any of the names on the short list of the cast so the investor will fund the movie. At that point, the producer can with great confidence give, deliver the script and the package and the name of the director and everybody else through a casting director or on their own directly to the agent with an offer to on the picture because subject to Keanu Reeves accepting that offer, the money is there and the money is ready to go. But you have to kind of you know, pull both sides together in a way that you know really um, gives everybody the comfort level that they're looking for. Now, that's a really good point. I mean, in other words, what you respecting both parties and and giving them this comfort level, I, I think is is a good way to think about doing business. I also like the fact that you you tend to propose rather than going to the star and asking them to sign on. If something happens, you go to the investors and say, well, if I deliver this, you know. Prove one that you got money, and two, you know that that you will finance it. Um, uh, so, you know, the, I mean, it makes very good business sense. And, and I don't know, you know, how many people actually practice that or don't. But um, very, very briefly, because I'm going to have to take a break, and then I want to switch our topic. But um, how important then too is the director's name in helping raise money in this process? Uh, about the same or? More important to the yeah, star than it is to the, the to the public. Uh, the director is generally more important. The director is important, obviously. In, in, the director is important to the investor. The direct, because what has the director done previously? Does everybody believe that this director can bring the money, the the movie in on time and on budget? Uh, that's going to be important to the distributor. If there is a distributor, it's going to be important, very important to the completion bond company if there is a completion bond in place. But even more so, the director and the talent is a critical relationship because if you're going for a big name on a small picture because you believe that that actor you know, Susan Sarandon or, or um, you know, Joan Allen or any of those, you know, really, really, Michelle Pfeiffer, really great actresses. 
You want to approach them about an absolutely incredible picture where the budget of the picture is probably less than they've made on their last several movies. You, the one thing that they're going to want to know is who's directing because they're putting their reputation, they're putting their um, all of their experience, you know, their history, the potential for the future in the hands of this director who, if the director isn't capable or responsible or isn't someone with whom they can develop a level of trust and confidence, isn't going to motivate them to do that picture irrespective of how much they might love the material. So I think the director is important, certainly, and uh, for a number of reasons, but I think when it comes down to it, that relationship between the director and the talent is really critical. Awesome. Thank you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a slight break here and just remind people at this point that um, there are numerous ways to stay updated on MovieBeat, and that is through uh, becoming a friend on Blog Talk or by subscribing on the main websites. Uh, there's uh, all sorts of ways for you to uh, get the information, either in MP3s or in podcasts or, uh, again, live. Uh, we certainly appreciate you uh, listening to uh, Rex Sykes Movie Beat and visiting the official website, which uh, not only has the interviews but has the blogs and has information about uh, events and premieres. And that's at www.rexsikes.com. So also please feel free to email me through the website if you hear about anything uh, upcoming. Um, you know, Contact me if you hear about it before I do, and I'll try and get it up on the website in a timely fashion. Uh, I'm going to get back to our conversation here with Susan, and um, I have a lot of questions to uh, to continue in this process, but uh, we've promised the listeners uh, uh, about uh, this notion of how do you find investors or where do you find investors, so if we could turn our attention to that in the time that we have uh, perhaps remaining, we've got about 20 minutes or so, um, or we could begin that discussion. You know, I think it's um, <laughs> it's the uh, it's the hardest part of the process, you know, where do you go to find people who are willing to invest in the movie? Um, well, first of all, people have been investing in movies for hundreds of years, so, or entertainment for hundreds of years, so there is a, you know, certainly, uh, you know, you can go and, and look again, do the research, find out how other films similar to the film you know, you're trying to do, uh, was funded. Who who were the executive producers? And have they executive produced anything else or was it a one-off deal for them? Did they do it with their nephew or their, you know, wife's cousin who she dearly loves or, you know, whatever the deal is? Um, you know, do the research and see how are these other films, similar size, similar genre, you know, you know all other things being equal, and do the research and find out how to get in touch with the the groups or individuals or companies that stepped up and you know funded those pictures. Uh, secondarily, you know I think that in everybody's family somewhere there is that one person or possibly two people who um, maybe are risk takers and are intrigued by the concept of the movie industry. Uh, love the idea of you know possibly being on a movie set and would be willing to put up 
some money to invest in a film. Not everybody has that same ability, but um, you know, certainly if you dig deep enough, six degrees of separation within your circle, you may just find somebody who you hadn't thought of, you know, who's who has that passion. Or it could be, you know, the grandfather, the the you know, the uncle, the, the, the you know, the parents, a couple of, you know, brothers. You know, they each throw, you know, some money on the table and everybody decides, you know, that they're going to back the picture because of something that they feel resonates with them. It could be the subject matter. could be any number of things. I think also, you know, it, it behooves uh, producers to check with uh, distributors and uh, look at, you know, which companies are producing pictures. You know, look on IMDb. What's in pre-production? What's in production? What's, you know, what are the 12,000 pictures, you know, currently listed, you know, as being in production or post-production on IMDb? And look at the companies that are associated with those pictures. Uh, because those companies, uh, you're, you'll begin to see a pattern that there are companies out there that do have money. Um, it's rare today for any one company to wholly finance an individual picture. Um, but maybe you can cobble together through an affiliation with two or three different companies and a little bit of equity money. You know, if it's a $3 million picture, you know, maybe the, maybe the producer's been able to raise 750000 hard money through friends and business associates, and the rest of the money they're going to cobble together by putting, you know, leveraging that state rebate money and then finding a combination of foreign and, and domestic distributors that are willing to work together on the picture, each of whom will make some sort of a contribution in the form of a production investment. Uh, there's no magic formula, and it doesn't happen overnight. And it definitely starts with a very solid screenplay that resonates in the hands of everyone reading it. And I think you know one of the mistakes that producers sometimes make is they you know take the script, they know it needs work, but they want to get it out there and get people excited about it while the writer and the director are making their changes because they want you know to kind of get a jump start on raising the money. Well, if if I read a script and it just doesn't grab me. I, I probably don't want to read it the second time. You know, somebody goes back and says, oh, we did all these rewrites, you know, it's really good. And I think the same thing is generally true with investors and people who invest in films and, and companies investing in films. You really want to go to them when that screenplay just jumps off the page and get them excited about what the possibilities and the prospects are and who you propose to be in the cast, or if you're lucky enough, you know, to have gotten a uh, star, somebody you have a relationship with, you know, to attach themselves to the picture. There's a great director that you're proposing or who is already attached to the picture. And I personally always write a business plan. I've never done a movie, raised money, or done anything without having written a very comprehensive business plan. Just as if I were starting a manufacturing business. You, know, you have to break it down, 
you need to show the comparable. Um, you, you need to, you know, demonstrate by the resumes attached in the business plan that the team assembled to make this project all are all very capable, have experience, have worked in the past, and have a track record um, of of being productive and responsible people. And I know somebody's going to send us a question when this show is over and say, well, that's all great for somebody who has a long resume, but what about somebody just getting in and this is their first picture? Well, I think you know, then you have to look at you know, the, the people that you're assembling around you and do they have good credit? Are they people who honor their payments to credit cards and uh, utility companies and to their mortgage company or their rent, you know, their landlord? Uh, because I think that's something that investors look at. You know, who are you as an individual? Are you a creepy person who you know just goes through life burning everyone behind you, or are you someone who's really responsible and you know has tried your best to make good on you know every obligation that you've made? Um, and I, you know, they're going to look at other things too. They're, the investors, I've my experience with is investors is. They want to meet with me over a period of several months, and they like to meet with me at breakfast. They want to have lunch. They like to have cocktails. They maybe want to have dinner. They want to do social, some maybe go play golf or go on a some sort of uh, you know other kind of sporting event. And you say why? Well, they're developing a relationship with me. They're getting a feel to see what kind of a person I am. They're also looking to see if I'm a raging alcoholic. You know, am I the kind of person who, you know, given a beer can't stop? You know, uh, do I drink too much and, you know, offend people, you know, in social situations? You say, well, what does that have to do with producing? Well, I think it has to do with, I think it goes to character. And if someone is going to put thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars into the hands of a team being led by a producer or a producer's unit and a director, the person or entity investing really need to feel comfortable that that money is going to be responsibly handled. So I think they're, you know, when when producers are looking at where they can go to get the money, they first need to look at who who is the team they're putting together that, that they're going to be affiliating themselves with to go out there and appeal for the money. And how do they put that first piece of money on the table? so that when they go to the next investor or to the sales agency or to the distributor they can say look I've already been I have some success I have a commitment here for you know 15% or 25% of the money from my group of investors who already believe that me and my team and I we can actually deliver this project it it'll just go a very long way in being able to get that project pushed through the system and well, I think it's Go ahead. I was going to say, and sometimes, in spite of all your efforts, you're not successful. It just happens. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, and I was going to say that you know there is this kind of uh, it used to be said that it's it's you know who you know in business that was important. And while that's true, someone came along and said it's not who you know, but who knows you in business that's truly important. And so I think you know if you're trying to raise money from people, if you have a stellar background and a and a and a a good reputation and you associate with good people and you get known to doing that, you have a better shot at raising the money than 
then I think too often people think that you know they're creative, they got a project that they could just go out and approach it kind of haphazardly, uh, and that it'll all kind of fall in place. And you mentioned writing a business plan. Um, you mentioned uh, you know getting all your ducks in a row. I think if you approach it like anything else, if you were going to manufacture a cabinet or you were going to create a cabinet business and you were looking for investors, um, you know you would be looking for people in a, in a similar vein. You would be looking for people who'd want to invest in a business because they want to make money through their investment. And so uh, the same thing is true about movies. If somebody's going to invest in a movie, they they want hopefully to see their money come back. Now, having said that. Traditionally, there are people like dentists or doctors or orthodontists, or people who, who uh, often it has been said you could pool together, or, or there are people out there who like to hobnob, they like to socialize, they love to rub elbows with movie stars, or they'd like to have their name on a picture because, you know, it makes them feel good to say, you know, I put my money in this movie. And so there are avenues, I think, social circles and and different professional people that people can look into. In, in terms of uh, trying to secure funds. And um, I would also guess that uh, as as people are, are looking to uh, make connections, that uh, you need to be very – I'm sorry, I'm going to take that back. You're going to have to be very aware, uh, very aware and savvy in terms of when you uh, seek investors, how you seek them and how you do things. Uh, so that you don't break any laws, um, like that's, SE, that's exactly that's pub, exactly correct. Public ruling, huh? That that's exactly correct because there are securities laws that regulate right. very strictly, um, you know, exactly what investors are permitted by law to do in order to go out there and solicit money from people, and. Right. You know that's why it, it's it's crazy for anybody to try to go out and do. You know, somebody says to me, "Why can't I just send out emails to the, you know, ten thousand people I have on my database and tell them each to send me, you know, a hundred dollars and they'll all get, you know, their name at the end of the movie and they'll be a part of it." I said, "Talk to a securities lawyer. I don't think you can do that. You know, that's that's something you can't do. Something that was done. Robert Green." did a, a documentary on Iraq and what he did was in effect before he produced the documentary he pre-sold the DVD and by pre-selling the DVD he raised the money to bank the documentary um, you know I, I, I'm presuming that must have been legal because he did it well you can pre-sell a book you can ha- you can sell advanced copies of something as long as as long as you know you are um you realize that then you're bound to deliver. I mean, <laughs> you, otherwise you're fraud. So you, 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 I mean, a lot of times people want to know you have a product or you have a product in development before you can go ahead and do it so that you have a release date for when they can uh, expect the reasonable delivery of, of, of said product. So, uh, but yeah, you can um, go out and pre-sell. Now, uh, let me ask you this. I, I'm going to swap back in, in time here a little bit. And go back to the cast information because you're talking about pre-selling a DVD, um, or, or for that matter, you know, a feature film in a theater. You know, the poster. When we talk about cast and things like that, this art is. You know, there's things that we use these tools to to uh, sell a movie to the the movie-going audience, but we also can sell these things. Or we can present these things to potential investors. 
you know, key art and, and taglines and uh, and what the DVD will look like. Um, do you how do you, how do you what do you do you know in advance of making your movie? Do you put together any promotional packages or anything that uh, gives an investor something to look at or see or hold in their hands that might be tangible? Yeah, generally we do. Um, I usually create a blog, and you know we put some art on the blog, and if possible, we create a um, you know sort of a sample one sheet, you know what the poster would look like. Obviously, we can't put actual actors' faces on there until we've got a commitment from them, but we can you know cheat that a little bit, you know, and and just to give the flavor. I think anything you can give an investor, which gives them a visual sense and the comfort on a business level that your team is capable of delivering is really important. Um, having commitments in place from post-production houses, having a great uh, award-winning composer on the picture in advance who signed on to the picture and you know, someone who's been nominated for you know, other pictures that they've done in the past or for music, original music that they've done. I think anything that you can do to enhance your package, which demonstrates to the investor that you've invested your time, energy, and um, your own resources into putting together this package begins to give them better, more and more comfort that you probably are a pretty good bet. And, um, and you, you, know, you mentioned high net worth individuals. High net worth individuals may very well have the capability of investing, but I think what it, what producers and you know people who are out there raising money for a movie need to bear in mind is that they're they're generally not creative people, so they need to be approached with a very strict you know business plan because usually what they're going to do you get them all excited about your movie and you know you've got this. You know, Michelle Pfeiffer is going to be in the movie, and it's, she's doing this as a favor because she knows your cousin. And you know, oh my gosh, this is going to be so great. You know, the person says, "Wow, this sounds like a great deal," and they can imagine, you know, meeting Michelle Pfeiffer on the set. They're going to turn around and give that business plan and all the elements to their lawyer and their accountant, and that's really where the decision is going to be made. So you need to understand that it's not the person you're talking to who's necessarily going to make the decision. There are other people that that person is going to turn to who are going to become a part of influencing the decision. And so you you need to think about what that strictly business side of your proposal is likely to appeal to in terms of the return on the investment, when do you anticipate the return on the investment, what have you done to show the investor that you can minimize their risk? I mean, all, all of the very common sense things that anybody would put in a business plan. And the better job you do, the more likely that that group of advisors for that high net worth individual is likely to say, hey, if this is something you want to do, I think these people have really thought it out. If it works, it'll be great. If not, it's a high risk venture. If you're willing to do it, at least these people seem to know what they're doing. Uh, again, excellent points. Now, I will say this: that it, it, that it is tough investment times. It does seem that you know money is tight in a lot of places, and and obviously films are traveling to other states where uh, incentives and and deals can be made and and they can be shot and 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 um, at a lower cost. 
but at the same time, because times are tough, they, you have a greater chance now of getting a recognizable working actor to work in your film. Maybe you've got to bring him in or her in for a day at ten dollars or $20,000 or $7,000 or $3,000, and they come in for a couple of days and they work. Uh, so you might be able to get a name attached to your project a whole lot easier than it would have been a few years back when everything was flush. To a certain extent, that's, that, is, that does appear to be the case. There are some actors who don't need the money and they're not going to work on you know, a small little budget. They're, they're just not sure. going to do it. And um, you know, a lot of actors also are booked a year to 18 months out. And you know, they might love the project. They might think, wow, you know, if I weren't busy or already committed, I didn't have anything else to do, I would do it, but I'm already booked because of projects that, you know, have been in, in their queue for, you know, over a year and they're just waiting for these, you know, projects to kind of fold out. Um, you know, and I think that's, you know, that's just the, the hard reality of what it is, which is why it's, I personally think, really important to get involved with a legitimate and very experienced casting director because the casting director is really going to be able to guide the producer in putting to in assembling a cast that's realistic. You know, you can't go out and ask if, you know, Ryan Gosling is going to be in your half a million dollar picture. I don't care how much he loves the script, his people are not going to allow him to do it. So and a casting director can give you that guidance. They they can basically help you understand that if your wish list of six people of your wish list of six people, there may be only two reality names on that list that are still great names, but you know they're going to save you the trouble of, you know, getting your investors all excited about names that, realistically, you're just even in these economic times, you're not going to be able to deliver. Wow. You know, you are a, a fountain of information and knowledge, and we certainly appreciate. Uh, you know, all that you've brought to a movie beat. We've got, uh, you know, many more questions, and obviously we're not going to be able to continue today. We've got about, oh, three minutes left. So um, I'm going to give you the three minutes, but I'm going to have to kind of start a timer. And at the three-minute mark, I'm going to have to say, okay, we've run out of time. So um, if there's anything that you'd like to address before we close out Part 5 and and you and I talk about scheduling Part 6 off the air, now is your time to 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 speak, Susan. Okay, I, I think you know the words of encouragement that I would give to people who are looking at looking at getting into producing is that have zero expectation that you're going to have an immediate turnaround on your energy and effort. You need to have the ability to sustain yourself financially for a long period of time, and so that may mean that you have a part-time job or you have worked and saved money and you know that you can live, you know, sort of modestly on that little nest egg for a year and a half or two years if you needed to before you, you know, are able to put the picture together because the timeline is not short and the process is definitely not a short process. But if you're tenacious and focused, and diligent, and you put a great team together, there's no reason that you, anybody, can't be successful at doing this. Um, you just, you know, really just need to 
not accept no and keep on going. Uh, the other thing I want to say is that uh, I, I received a, an email from a listener in a prior show who um, said that when we talked about the you know free money, that um, I really hadn't talked about free money. Um, well, actually, I, th- I think it's a matter of interpretation. You know, that there's we call it I called it free money because I thought that would be more generally. Um, understood by people, it's soft money. It's money, free money or soft money is any form of financial investment, financial interest, good or service that is invested in your picture, which at the end of the day does not require being recouped, can be classified as soft money or free money. Because if your budget is $3 million and you can get $500,000 worth of goods and services and and investment in the picture that doesn't need to get paid back, it means your break-even is $2.5 million, not $3 million. And that is free money and that is soft money. And I think it's a really important area that producers need to really, I think, take time and, and learn more about. Um, there are also grants that producers can apply for, uh, contests that producers can enter, which you know, maybe don't, aren't going to generate a huge amount of money, but if you look on the internet, you know, there's all kinds of ways to, you know, go out there and, you know, get somebody to step up with you, especially if it's a project that has a particular theme that's relevant to something important to a business or an industry. You just might find that you could you could be very surprised how you might get a partner. And then the other thing I just want to address is that very quickly is that um, I know somebody commented on the fact that. What we had talked about in the you know previous show wasn't relevant to any to the particular state that this person was um, listening from, and I think it's important maybe for you and I to remind people that this webcast is available for anybody worldwide. in any of the United States or worldwide. So we're trying to make it as broadly relevant as we can. And having said that, people need to follow the, adhere to the laws of their own state and, and look at what the tax advantages are or aren't in each of the states that they might be listening into. Susan, i got to say bye for now. Um, we're going to have you back on the air. And thank you so much. It's been, it's been truly awesome having you on the show again, and thanks for all the insights and information. Thanks, Rex, and I look forward to speaking with you again. All right, and we will do that soon. Now, you're listening to Rex Sykes' Movie Beat. And the official website, again, is www.rexsykes.com, R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S. I want to thank all the people who have tuned in and who have listened to the people who have phone called. I want you to know that I am not uh, – I don't take callers on the air. Uh, I want to give the time to my guests to be able to speak. But we do take questions over the chat line. So if you didn't get your question answered next time, tune in and, uh, and get on the chat line and, uh, and type out a question. Um, please feel free to email me the website. And, uh, and stay tuned. i got lots of great guests coming up. Uh, I heard the other day that people are talking about Movie Beat uh, all around the country, especially in Hollywood nowadays. I got word through a, a director of an up-and-coming uh, film that's uh, apparently doing very, very well. And I just want to say that people are sending me lots of different information. i got lots of people coming out of the woodwork asking if they can be interviewed on Movie Beat. The issue always with me is, is being able to schedule them with a, with a way that works for them and for me. But I am thrilled, I really am, to be able to bring you these uh, conversations with filmmakers where you can learn how to do or make your movie uh, better and what, what not to do. Uh, so Movie Beat is that resource for you. 
please tell your friends and your industry connections. Spread the word about Movie Beat. Uh, visit us on Facebook, Twitter, all sources. I want to thank you again, and I uh, wish you a great day. And that's a wrap here at Movie Beat. <laughs>